We give glory and honor to God for granting us this opportunity to share with you. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Welcome, my dear listener, to this promising session of the New Life Program. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mahangi. Pastor Kigundu Ndigo is on standby with the Family Life segment. Today, he will talk about marital intimate issues. Brother Steve Rundle will also be joining us during the Bible session to talk about covetousness by any other name. The instruments will start us off with the song, Tutaingia kwa shangwe. Tutaingia kwa shangwe. Tutaingia kwa shangwe. Takatifu wote wako pale Kila mmoja amevi kwa tajilake Nguo ikonye upe akupendeza Kati yao mashuja wanendo Nyoyo zao furaya bubujika Kwa ni wimbo ule walio imba Kina mateso yote Yesu Kristo pia yuko pale Nyuso zao furaya burujika Adventist of Radio, the voice of hope. It is now time for the family life segment. Join me as I welcome Pastor Kigundu. Be blessed.
Dear listener, I want to welcome you to our Abundant Life series, which is based on John 10 verse 10, where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am convinced that this fullness of life, this abundant life, also trickles into our marriage relationships. And today, I want us to look at marital intimate issues. Dear listener, do you have issues that pertain to sexual intimacy with your spouse that are causing problems in your lives together? If you do, you are not alone. The media is filled with sex talk and the many problems that couples are encountering in this area. Unfortunately, Christian couples are not excluded from experiencing these problems and they are getting drawn into trying to remedy these issues in the same way the world is attempting to work on them. Some of them are good, but many of them are harmful and sinful as well. And this is causing enormous problems within homes, churches, communities, and our world at large. Plus, it has to be breaking God's heart. He wants better for his children. We are to be a light, poking holes in the darkness, not helping the darkness to spread further. How we pray all of us within the church will wake up. One of the reasons we believe there is such an assault on this area of marriage is because, as somebody said, that is Michelle Hammond, she said, sex is a type of worship. Did you know that? Even the heathen know it. That's why sexual orgies were a part of the worship ceremonies for pagan deities. But we need to remember that there is a right of worship and there is a wrong worship. Wrong worship brought death to Aaron's sons when they offered the wrong fire and incense before God. To look at this literally, you can say that sex outside of marriage brings about a death to our spirits as well as to our sense of well-being and esteem. Now, let's face it, dear listener, the enemy of our faith is all for disrupting, prostituting, and eliminating any type of worship that could draw us closer to God and to each other as a godly couple. So what about how you express yourself sexually within your marriage? That's our concern in this message, and we'd like to address these concerns from different angles. Address wives and then address husbands. So talking to wives, the concern that God has laid upon my heart is the misconceptions that women have allowed themselves to embrace in this area of marriage, married sexuality. Authors of the book Intimate Issues, Linda Dillo and Lorraine Pinters, said that in their travels they have found that between 90 to 95% of women don't have God's perspective on this area of their marital relationship. It is evident that the enemy of our faith has done too good a job of fooling us. Wives seem to go to two extremes. One is that many are inhibited in being very expressive sexually with their husbands, especially as they see the world taking this publicly to a wrong extreme, because it seems shameful to act in such a manner. Whether their reasoning was influenced by the way they were raised up, or because of a trauma they experienced, or whatever the reason, it isn't very scriptural. 
The other extreme is that many wives expect their husbands to shut themselves down sexually, to require less or literally nothing of them sexually for various reasons. Both of these extremes are problematic. The first extreme is dismissed by the example of the Shulamite woman in the book of Song of Songs. She was more than expressive in the way she expressed her physical love to her husband, and yet God included that book in the Bible. Why? It must be that he condoned her actions. Love like this, when it is expressed within marriage between a husband and wife, is good. It delights God's heart because it unites us as one as we enjoy each other without shame in every way. However, when we take that expression outside of marriage and involve other people, whether physically or in ways delivered by various forms of media and the internet, that isn't what is condoned by God and shouldn't be something we allow ourselves to participate in or entertain. The other extreme should be viewed in the way that God created us as man and woman. We aren't created the same physically, which is obvious, but also in our mental and emotional tendencies. Since we are packaged differently on the outside, what makes us think we are designed to be the same in the way we approach life intellectually, emotionally, and sexually? We are different in what sex means to us. You see, the male drive is generated by physical drives accompanied by emotional needs. A woman's drive stems from emotional needs along with physical needs. That is what Jack Miles says. Visual stimulation is not as strong for women, but the emotional longings and cravings of our hearts and soul for love, intimacy, affection, and attention is just as difficult for us to deal with as the visual is for men. That statement is made by Shannon Etheridge. That is why it is cruel for a man to continually deny his wife affection, and it is cruel for a woman to continually deny her husband physically. Both are very important needs that shouldn't be overlooked, but it often is overlooked and disregarded because one or the other sees things differently. If you are conflicted in this area of your marriage, please, please, please get help. No matter what has been in your past or is surrounding you in the present, seek to be whole and healthy to the glory of God. You aren't accountable to God for what your husband does, but you are accountable for what you do or won't do. Dr. Walt Larimo says, Sex is the physical confirmation of everything that is spiritually joined together during the wedding ceremony. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 3 to 5, Paul says, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. As Linda Dillo and Lorraine Pontas point out, if you are ready to begin the metamorphosis and blossom into all God created you to be, the place to start enacting change is not in the bedroom but on your knees. 
I pray these will be your words as they are mine. Search my heart, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in way everlasting. This is found in Psalms 119, verse 23 and 24. Now, talking to men. There's so much that needs to be said from a man's standpoint, but today I just want to give men two quick thoughts to meditate on, and then I will elaborate on them more next time. These come from what I believe to be the most powerful book, other than the Bible addressing a man's heart and mind when it comes to sexual issues. This book is entitled Every Man's Battle by Steve Altban and uh, Fred Stoika. I highly recommend this book if you can get it. It has a very interesting subtitle which talks about winning the war on sexual temptation one victory at a time. I am going to ask every one of us men two questions. I want us to pray and ask God to reveal to us men truths as he sees us. The first thing I have to ask, do I look pure on the outside to everyone else, but in reality here I am merely settled on the middle ground, somewhere between paganism and obedience to God's standards? Number two, do I get any sexual gratification from anyone or anything other than my wife? Men, please don't minimize the importance of how you answer these questions. As hard as it may be to come face to face with the truth, ask God's Holy Spirit to break through any defensive mechanisms you may have put up so that you can come to that place at the beginning to choose to be strong and courageous and to walk in purity. Psalm 101 verse 3 says, I have set before my eyes no vile thing. The deeds of faithless men I hate, they will not cling to me. Second Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And what D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, says still challenges every man today. The world has yet seen what God can do with a man fully devoted to him. So, dear listener, we pray you will put and keep God at the center of your marriage, especially in this area, because the enemy of our faith is looking for a way to tempt you to stray away from being close to each other. Please make it your mission to shame the devil and not each other. And please make sure that you glorify God in this area. We appreciate those who have given us their thoughts concerning this program. We are here just for you. For those who have never communicated to us, you can start today by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Here's a song, Yeye ni Mungu, by the instruments. Aliongoza <laughs> 
to the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Brother Steve. Covetousness by any other name. Our key text this day comes from the book of Joshua chapter 6 verses 17 all the way to 20. And I will read, The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable in destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. Consumerism, a recently coined word for a recent widespread development of the human sin, is in reality only a new manifestation of an age-old human sin, covetousness or greed. Pope John Paul II, in an encyclical letter 
made the following observations. In earlier stages of development, men always lived under the weight of necessity. His needs were few and were determined to a degree by the objective structures of his physical makeup. Economic activities was directed towards satisfying these needs. It is clear that but also today the problem is not only one of supplying people with sufficient quantity of goods, but also of responding to a demand for quality. The quality of the goods to be produced and consumed, the quality of the services to be enjoyed, the quality of the environment and of life in general. To call for an existence which is qualitatively more satisfying is on of itself legitimate, but one cannot fail to draw attention to the new responsibilities and dangers connected with this phase of history. A given culture reveals its overall understanding of life through the choices it makes in production and consumption. It is here that the phenomenon of consumerism arises. In singling out new needs and new means to meet them, one must be guided by a comprehensive picture of man which respects all the dimensions of his being and which subordinates his material and instinctive dimensions to his interior and spiritual ones. If on the contrary, a direct appeal is made to his instincts while ignoring in various ways the reality of the person as an intelligent and free, then the consumer attitudes and lifestyles can be created which are objectively improper and other often damaging to his physical and spiritual health. It is not wrong to want to live better, but what is wrong is a style of life which is presumed to be better when it is directed towards having rather than being, and which wants to have more, not in order to be more, but in order to spend life in enjoyment as an end in itself. It is therefore necessary to create lifestyles in which the quest for truth, beauty, goodness, and communion with others for the sake of common growth are the factors which determine consumer choices, savings, and investments. In this regard, it is not matter of the duty of charity alone, that is, the duty to give from one's abundance, and sometimes even out of one's needs, in order to provide what is essential for the life of a poor person. I am referring to the fact that even the decision to invest in one place rather than the other, in one productive sector rather than the other, is always a moral and cultural choice. What drives our decisions regarding what and how much to consume, not just food but everything that you will buy or obtain? How much of your consumption is focused on satisfying your own needs and wants, your family's and others? How does your level and type of consumption affect the environment, your ability to care for others, your health, both physical and mental? What are some ways in which you could make better choices in your consumption? Let us pray. Lord God, you are the creator and maker of everything. Help me to steward all that you have given me in a proper manner, and help me to be directed by you and your Holy Spirit in all my decisions regarding my consumption, for I have prayed all these things, trusting and believing in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
It has been nice having a company. In case you have any views, comments, or questions about the show, please write to the producer, Adventist Soul Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Kenya, or email us through awr at ek.adventist.org. Until next time, I've been a presenter, Samuel Mangi. Stay safe, stay at home with us, Adventist Soul Radio.